How excellent is thy name in all the earth Who has set thy glory above the heavens We'll praise thy holy name to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the robe and crown Good Lord, show me the way Oh, brothers, let's go down Let's go down Come on down Come on, brothers, let's go down Down Oh, and proud 
Good morning, Preston Crest. Well, we can do much better than that, don't you think, John Scott? This is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's try this one more time. Good morning, Preston Crest. There we go. I'm Mike Pipkin. I'm one of your shepherds, and we are glad that you are here for the 1045 service. Uh, whether you are joining us in person or whether you are join us, joining us through our, our growing uh, stream through our YouTube channel. We're glad for each one of you to be here. If you wouldn't mind, take this opportunity to check in to the phone number that's on the slide behind me, or you can use your phone to scan the barcode on one of the cards that's in the pew back in front of you. Um, members and return visitors, please do that. But if you're a first-time visitor, we're especially glad that you're here. And we'd ask that you take one of those cards, fill it out, and take it with you to the information center in the foyer. Uh, we've got a special gift for you, and we would love to get to know you better. We are just glad that all of you are here with us today. Let's go to our Father in prayer as we begin our time in worship this morning. Dear God in heaven, we are so thankful to be here in your presence and alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we are thankful for the rain that has come today to nourish the ground, for the cooler temperatures that we are anticipating, for the majesty of your creation. Lord, we are thankful for you, for your love for us, that you sent your son to die for us, and for the spirit that lives within us. We are thankful, so thankful for each one of those things. Lord, we are thankful that we have this opportunity to gather together and worship, to pray, and to lift our voices in song. And Lord, right now we want to pray for, uh, for a few things. We are mindful still of those that are dealing with uh, the devastation from Hurricane Ian. We are thankful for the men and women that are working to serve those that were affected through SGSO. We're thankful for the resources of this congregation that support that effort. Lord, we, many of us were able to meet together last night uh, and to celebrate the children and families that are supported by Christian services. Lord, what a blessing it is that that, that organization is there, that we can celebrate life, that we can support life, that we can support those that need care in whatever way, shape, and form. What a blessing it was to be outdoors last night in the middle of your majestic kingdom. What a blessing it was. And Lord, as we go forward through this, uh, this time of worship to, today, help us to open our hearts, to celebrate with our hearts, and to keep those hearts open to the message that you'll uh, deliver to us through your servant, Gordon, and through the songs that John Scott will be leading. Bless us now as we continue our time in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. This is from Psalm chapter 115, verse 1. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Let's continue our time in worship. Thanks, Mike. Church. Y'all ready to stand? Let's, uh, let's offer our voices in praise and worship this morning. On joyous morning, I said, and cast away so 
going to sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion this morning and then Don Smith will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. Let's let's sing together. I always find it interesting on Sunday morning at the second service, you just never know what you're going to get. And you know what Forrest Gump said? I'd like to echo Mike's sentiment. I'm glad to be here. How about you? It's good to be here. It's good to be with people of like mind. When I come in on, on Sunday mornings at this service, I look around and I see such a variety of people. And it, uh, I never really think about it, but when I thought about being up here this morning, I was made to reflect on this part of our worship. Sitting right over here, I always have kind of a clear view of, of this part of the congregation. And I always kind of look at these folks, don't feel too creeped out, but uh, <laughs> these young people here, you know, why are they here? I know why I was 
here, there, when I was their age. I was a preacher's kid. Don't hold that against me. Uh, but, you know, I was here because well, that's where you are on Sunday morning. That's what you do. Then I look at the other areas, and I see some of the young marrieds. I see some young singles around. I look in here, and I see myself. And, uh, and then I look back here, and I hear back here. This is a wonderful course of uh, mostly female voices. I don't know who you are, but it's lovely. But what I'm getting at is we all come from different places geographically. I know people that, you know, come from McKinney, and why are they here? There's something about being with the Lord. Of course, that's why we're here. But there's something about fellowship here that is priceless. And there's an, the main reason we're here, though, is because we're believers. But when I was reflecting on that, yes, we're believers, but what do we believe in? What do you believe in? We're all torn and pulled by different things in our lives. We have our own struggles. I have family struggles. Uh, we all have them. Young marrieds, it seems like it's a 24-7 job, especially when you start having children. So many distractions. But we can come here and we can pause and we can reflect. And we're here because we believe. But what do you believe in? Most, if not all of us here this morning, are believers. We like to say we're believers, but in what? When I was brought up, there was a great belief in doctrine. It was about doctrine. We are different than those folks. There was legalism. You got to do this. Like when we were leading songs, if there were four verses, it was first, second, and fourth. What? You know, you're not able to remember that probably. But legalism, a lot of us believe in ourselves. That's easy to do sometimes. I've learned over the years that maybe I shouldn't trust so much in myself. You make enough mistakes, you'll learn that you need to look elsewhere. Some of us, I think we just wander around, we believe in dumb luck. Well, you know, whatever's going to happen, let it happen. But God invites our trust. Will you trust in him? So we come now obedient to his word to feast on heavenly food. Our meat, the body of our Savior. Our drink, his precious blood. Let's pray. Father God, we trust in you. Our hope is built on you. We know, Father, that you will never turn us away. We can come to you. We can put our faith in you. And all of this because of the great gift of salvation that has come through you and through your Son. Father, bless us as we pause this morning and we think of that great gift that was given to us, that while we were still sinners, Christ would come for us. Bless us as we take of this bread 
in remembrance of that body that was broken for us. We pray through Jesus. Amen. Father God, bless us now as we take this cup, as we remember and reflect on the body of Christ as his side was pierced and his blood was shed and he was separated from you. Thank you, God, for loving us that much. We pray this through Jesus. Amen.
church, if you came prepared to give an offering this morning, you can drop that in the box in the very center of our foyer. We're also still taking uh, donations for disaster relief as well as and, and giving online. You can give online for disaster relief as well. However you choose to give, thank you for joining with us to, uh, to spread the good news, to share the name of the Lord with those that don't know him. Let's, uh, let's bow. Father God, I'm thankful for the precious gift of your son. I'm thankful for gathering for worship this morning. Father, I'm thankful for the rain this morning. Father, I pray that your rain in our hearts never ceases. May we live our lives as you would have us. May we live like your children. May we be your people, filled with your grace and your mercy. May we be a light in Dallas. May we be a light in our neighborhoods. Bless us as we give. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's watch a little bit about small groups. For several decades, the small group ministry has been extremely important to this church. Fellowship meals, sharing personal concerns, joys, and needs, a place of communal prayer, the study of God's Word. In fact, a practical discussion of each week's Sunday morning sermon is written and made available to all groups. Our group members know each other and take care of each other. They share their time, their energy, and they share each other's very lives. There are groups for all stages of life, from our youth ministry to single adults, to all the stages of marriage and family and empty nest. And they are led by a large company of amazing small group leaders who would love to answer all your questions and tell you all about their group. And you can find a list of the groups on our website and in our small group brochure in the foyer. We encourage you to join a group and to begin to discover the deeper levels of fellowship that you will find there. Bob, I just want to echo what you just said. If you have not yet joined a group, that information is on our website, or you can just come over and visit with Bob, and he will get you connected. Because church, that's, that's, how, that's not how we grow, but it's how we grow deeper, is when we get smaller. All right, we are tying a prayer quilt. You can see it out there in the foyer. Uh, come and, and, and tie, a prayer, tie a knot and pray for Milana Cowley, please, and take her name with you this week. The, today is the last day to register for the golf tournament. If you are still wanting to do that, please jump on that today. Uh, Pumpkin Fest still needs some help. We do need, uh, need some more trunks. Always, if you are going to donate candy, please do that today. Or if you're coming back for ladies' class, do that on Tuesday. That would help us greatly. Also, signing up for help set up and for help clean up. I know we still have some slots available for that. All right, church, let's stand. We're going to send kids up to Children's Church. Now we're going to sing a good oldie, number 728B. Y'all remember this one? All right, let's get with it now. Let's sing. There is me on the edge of blue.
it, please. First time I've heard that song. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, our God is alive. Amen. We celebrate that. Uh, I was throwing frisbees yesterday with a buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy. He lives in Burleson, and he, he saw something that we put on Facebook, and he's like, hey, could I come volunteer at your pumpkin fest? And I was like, absolutely. So hopefully my buddy Jeremy and his Prius will be in the parking lot next Saturday. Uh, he wants to do one of the trunks, um, and I hope that you will sign up as well. We had 2,400, more than 2,400 last year of our neighbors, of our community, people just showing up. And so I hope that, that you'll show up as well and help serve them and connect with them. It may be each year probably is the single greatest uh, connecting point with our neighborhood and our community around here that we have. And uh, some of our members here, their first point of contact was Pumpkin Fest somewhere back in the past. So be here, help us out. And it's probably one of the most just kind of fun ways to serve as well. We always have a great time in the parking lot at Pumpkin Fest. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. These are the words of Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. <laughs> if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so as we begin our final approach into the, into the ending of this Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, we get some really, I think, transformative teaching here in chapter 7. And it has to do with this identity that we have as God's children, as God's sons and daughters. And it is not an afterthought or an additive. It is a primary thing about this new relationship that we enjoy with God because of the gospel. So I would just say, do you see God as a father to you? Do you see God as your heavenly father? Because how you see God changes so many things in your life. A.W. Tozer once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Maybe some of you I can identify with my story. For much of my life, I would say into my early to mid-20s, my faith journey was all about two things. It was about knowing and it was about doing. I wanted to accrue more and more knowledge about the Bible, facts and information and stories about the Bible. Uh, and then I also thought I needed to be doing things like showing up on Sunday morning at church, uh, maybe signing up for some service opportunities at church from time to time. Knowing and doing, that was for me what faith was all about. By the way, both those things are really good things. Knowing God's Word is a really good thing. Uh, serving and glorifying God through acts, good, uh, good works is, is a really good thing. But I failed to appreciate the identity that I had received 
Not something that I got because of my knowing more or my doing more, but something I got by receiving this identity through Jesus Christ. That's what I didn't really appreciate. I was a child of God and am today because of what Jesus did for me, not because of anything that I've done. And in all of my doing and all of my knowing, I kind of downplayed what was done at Calvary for me. So these words in Matthew 7 really strike a chord with me. They also remind me of something Jesus said way back in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, back in chapter 5, when he talked about a group called the Pharisees. And he said in chapter 5, verse 20, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, I mean, nobody at that time was out knowing the Pharisees. They knew the Bible better than anybody else. Nobody was outdoing the Pharisees. During their waking hours, they were concerned with all sorts of things of God. That really was kind of a defining feature of their life. Constantly trying to do what was right according to the word of God. Um, and then Jesus says, hey, crowd, your righteousness must exceed theirs. I mean, is he saying, that's uh, this, maybe some equivalent of that, I, I'm supposed to line up and run faster than Usain Bolt? <laughs> Am I supposed to show up on a basketball course and out shoot Steph Curry? In matters of faith, I'm supposed to know more and do more. I'm supposed to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. But it's interesting. We talked about this several weeks ago when we talked about this passage. You are more righteous than the Pharisees because you have a righteous, righteousness that you have received through Jesus. In fact, you have 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. You have become the righteousness of God. It's amazing. So you have this righteousness that is perfect. The righteousness of Jesus Christ and also, and by the way, that's a big relief, I think. And also, out of this new identity, as God's child, we have a new relationship. The way we relate to God is different now. The way you see yourself is different. When you know that you are a child of God, and the way that you view your purpose and your allotted days on earth, that's different too. You are here as a child of the Father, blessing people that he is calling into his family. What a relief. Uh, by the way, one of our members, Steve Singleton, sent me an email weeks ago when I preached on that passage from Matthew 5. And I thought he had some really good insight. So Steve, you're going to get quoted this morning. Steve said... I think Jesus was not saying he wants us to out-Pharisee the Pharisees, but to pursue a righteousness that is of another quality than theirs. They sought to make righteousness action-based, moving an outward obedience wider and wider until it comprehends all of life. Jesus wants us instead to have a righteousness that is heart-based, 
starting first with our sonship and daughtership relationship with the Father and moving in an outward spiral with an emphasis on sincerity and consistency. His is a greater righteousness, not because it is broader, but because it is deeper. This is a relationship, a righteousness that comes out of knowing, you know, who you are. Thank you, Steve, for those thoughts. So it's important to know and to do. Those things are important. There's great value in knowing more and in doing more, sure. But we can't skip the identity question because that's really the primary question. Who are you now? Who are you because of what Jesus did for you? You are a son, a daughter of the Father. And I tell you as a friend who cares about you, I tell you as someone who has been trying to know more and do more for years, I missed out on the core of the gospel. I wasn't living from that primary identity. Paul Tripp wrote, and I love this quote. It's one of my favorites. Paul Tripp wrote, you will either receive your identity vertically or you will shop for it horizontally. If you know who you are in Jesus, if you know him as your father and you see yourself as his child, you have received your identity vertically. You've received it from God. Everyone else, Christian or not, you're shopping for it horizontally. Your identity tends to become about how much you make. How people view you, whether they approve you or reject you. How much you know, you're an expert in your field. How you look on the outside, your beauty. Your identity becomes about a lot of lesser things. And that is not a secure place to live, is it? Depending on the approval of others. Depending on outward appearances. That's not a secure place to live. Jesus comes along in Matthew 7 verse 11 says, God is your father and he is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. By the way, I am mildly um, insulted by what Jesus said in verse 11. He said, even you who are evil, you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? Mildly insulted, but it's true. I'm an all right dad. I have good days, I have not so good days. But even I know how to give, give good gifts to my children. So it's important to note, Jesus says he gives good gifts. Good gifts. He's not a celestial sugar daddy who spoils us. He's not a pushover dad who gives us whatever we want at whatever particular moment. He gives good gifts. And I'm pretty sure David is here this morning. I'm pretty sure there was a phase in my son David's life when all he wanted to eat was a Hershey chocolate bar. Sorry, David, springing this on him. All you wanted was Hershey chocolate. But I was a good enough dad that I knew a three-year-old kid can't survive or shouldn't survive merely on Hershey chocolate. You got a few chocolate bars from us, but you also got some broccoli <laughs> and some carrots because I'm a good dad. I give good gifts. I don't just give whatever my child wants. Um, 
the Father we have. I love this. If you pay attention to what Jesus said in verse 8, your Father listens to you. When you ask, he hears you. When you knock, he hears your knocking. When you seek, he wants to be found. Your Father is engaged in your life, and he gives good gifts. Some of us grew up with an idea of God as Father in a demanding, severe sort of way. And if that's your idea of God the Father, then you're probably a little bit scared of God. Um, I mean, if he's half as judgmental and condemning as his children are, then look out, you know. Maybe that's how you kind of grew up thinking about God. And if that's how you see God, then probably you don't ask for very much. Certainly, you don't expect much when you pray in terms of good gifts. And likely, this is the crazy thing. If you view God as a severe and demanding father, you probably feel less secure because of your relationship with God the Father. Completely opposite of what Jesus is talking about. That's not your father. And so we get good news when we just listen to Jesus talk about what the heavenly father is like. He's a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. He's, verse uh, chapter 7, he's loving and he's wise. And who you are, it comes from that vertical identity that you've been given through Jesus as God's son or daughter. Not from what other people think about you. Not from your achievements. Not from how much money you make. And so we as God's children, when we know the Father, we pray expecting or we pray expectantly. When we pray, we believe things happen because we're God's children and our Father answers our prayers. Years ago, it's been a long time, Isla will remember, we did back in Rio, we had just planted the church. It was pretty new, maybe a couple of years in, and we did Noventa Gius Givitoria, 90 Days of Victory. And so for 90 days, for three months, we asked the church, think about what you need from God. We're going to ask together. We're going to pray over each other's prayer requests. And we had this giant poster, I think five feet by five feet, that we put up on the wall where people were supposed to write their prayer request, okay? And then if and when God answered that request, they were supposed to write that answer off to the side, and it was incredible what happened over those 90 days. In the end, one poster wasn't enough. We, did, we had to have another one made that looked like the first one. So we had two five-foot-by-five-foot five posters. And people were asking us to pray over all sorts of things. A guy named Georgie was asking us to pray for his cousin. She had cancer, and it was a terminal diagnosis. It was very scary. There was another Cisa who had us praying for her ovarian cancer. There was a woman who asked us to pray for her unbelieving husband that he would come to faith. There were people who were praying for their own spiritual transformation. And I mentioned those names um, because I do remember I made notes and it was incredible to watch. Like Georgie, at the end of it, he wrote on the wall that his cousin, she was getting better. And she was eventually cancer free. 
Cisa, who became one of our elder's wives, um, Cisa came to me and she brought some film from her doctor and she had a, a before and after picture of her ovaries. Wow, yeah. Um, and I don't know what I'm looking at, but sure enough, there was a white spot on the before and there was no spot on the after. And she was crying tears of joy. And she showed me the doctor note that said, without abnormalities. Those are beautiful words <laughs> when you've gotten a cancer diagnosis. Without abnormalities, it's all good. And I remember by the end of those 90 days, celebrating the baptism of that woman's husband who she was praying for him. We were praying for him to come to faith. And there are times, I mean, I think our spiritual journey, it doesn't always go up like that. I mean, we have some ups, we have some downs. That was definitely a time when, like, it was rapid growth for me and I think for many in our church in, ter in terms of believing that God was alive, as we sang this morning. Our God, he is alive. And that he was active among us. And so as his children, we trust that he loves us. He is attentive to us when we ask. He is at work in our lives. And so, verse 7, we seek, we ask, we knock. And verse 8, we expect God to show up. We expect our Father to work. Now, of course, he gives good gifts, and we don't always track with his wisdom and with his goodness. We don't always know the thoughts and the plans of God. And so part of praying by faith means we leave the outcomes up to God. And I will say this, that's where it gets hard. Because not every prayer gets answered the way we want it to get answered. Not every diagnosis gets reversed the way we've been praying for it to get reversed. John gives us some insight in 1 John 5. He says, this is the confidence that we have toward him. That's our relationship, confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So the confidence is he hears, he answers according to his will. Not according to our puny thoughts and dreams and plans. So that's a confidence. And by the way, if you don't believe that God is active today, if you are living sort of as a spiritual orphan, I get that in theory, but really it's all up to me now. Good luck with the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you just need to rip the Sermon on the Mount out of your Bible because there is tons of stuff that Jesus calls us to in this amazing sermon that we cannot do without the Father's help. Right? We need for him to show up. I mean, he has called us in chapter 5, verse 11, to be a people who when we are persecuted, we rejoice. That's not normal. We need God's help with that. He has told us in verse 20 that we are, like we said, to have a righteousness that surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees. We need God's help with that. We're supposed to have a love that is different. We love even our enemies. Chapter 5, verse 44. We need help with that. <laughs> And then I love chapter 6, verse 6, when Jesus is talking about our prayer life. And he says, when you are in secret, when you go into your bathroom 
all alone or that favorite chair in your bedroom and you sit there and you're spending time with the Father. He says, your Father sees you in secret. Chapter 6, verse 6, and He rewards you. You are never alone. He sees you in secret and He rewards you. He is active in our lives. So this this life that Jesus calls us to, this best version of ourselves that he calls us to, is not one where you are on your own. It is not one where you live as a spiritual orphan. You have a father. You are a child of God. He loves you. He hears you. He is attentive to you. He cares about you. And things are happening in your life That would not happen except for this relationship that you have with the Father. So another thing, we pray persistently. We don't quit easily in our prayers. Talk to the Father regularly about whatever that situation or need is that is on your heart. Jesus taught his disciples one time, told an amazing parable. I won't get into it this morning. It's one of my favorite parables. But Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he taught them a parable so that they would always pray and never lose heart. Just keep praying. Keep asking. Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing. Prayer is not... Prayer is not an ATM machine, okay? Where you walk up, you bow your head, and boop, boop, boop. You type in the numbers and out pops your blessing. This is a relationship that we're talking about. God is not just some sort of blessing dispenser. He is your father and he's calling you into a deep relationship with you. And sometimes I think we spend a lot of time praying about things, which that's not wrong. That's not wrong. Pray about the promotion at work. Pray about the diagnosis. Pray about the child that went off to college. Pray about the move to New Zealand. Pray about, 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 about. Those are good things to pray for, but primarily it is a seeking. Zelon there in the text today. I am seeking more of the Father. Yes, I want his gifts. But more than that, I want him. And I hope over time that you see that, that door when you knock, it is opening, it is opening. You're seeing more and more of the Father. And as you seek, you find as Jesus promised. And then pray persistently. That's what we're talking about here. Finally, pray big. Ask the Father to do only things that only he can do. We pray for a lot of small things. That's totally fine. We need to be praying for some big things as well. And Sky Jathani, who comes from an ethnic Indian country of India heritage, talks about a time when he and his father traveled to India together, and he shares a pretty neat story. He says, while walking the streets of New Delhi, a little boy approached him and his dad. He was skinny as a rail and naked, but for tattered blue shorts. His legs were stiff and contorted like a wire hanger twisted upon itself. Because of his condition, the little boy could only waddle along on his callous knees. He made his way toward me and my dad, and he cried out, One rupee, one rupee, please. My father eventually responded to the boy's persistent begging, What do you want? One rupee, sir, the boy said, while motioning his hand to his mouth 
bowing his head in deference. And Sky says, my father laughed. How about I give you five rupees? The boy's submissive countenance suddenly became defiant. He retracted his hand and he sneered at us. He thought my father was joking, having a laugh at his expense. After all, no one would willingly give up five rupees. The boy started shuffling away, mumbling curses under his breath. My father reached into his pocket and hearing the coins jingle, the boy stopped and looked back over his shoulder. My father was holding a five rupee coin. He approached the stunned boy and placed the coin into his hand. The boy didn't move or say a word. He just stared at that coin in his hand. We passed him and proceeded to cross the street. A moment later, the shouting resumed, except this time the boy was yelling, Thank you! Thank you, sir! Bless you! He raced after us once again, but not for more money, but only to touch my father's feet. I wonder if God listens to us pray sometime and we're asking for a rupee and he's just kind of chuckling or shaking his head. Why are you asking for things that are so meager and so small? Why don't you trust me to do something bigger than that? Our lack of faith can hold us back sometimes. So part of the prayer, I'll just share with you something I pray every week. I mean, I've got a lot of things that I pray for my family. I pray for you guys. But toward the end of my prayer, every week when I'm praying, I'm asking God, bless China, North Korea, and the Middle East. Open them up to the gospel of Christ and protect your people in those places. Pretty big prayer. I can't really do anything about that, but I believe he can. I believe my father can. Ever since the war started in Ukraine, I've been praying about that, that God will raise up people of peace and end that war. I can't do anything about it, but he can. Are you praying for big things? Or are you praying just for stuff that you might be able to pull off on your own? Let's be about praying for big kingdom-sized things. Things that we cannot make happen as individuals, as a church family, but things that we need for God to take charge of and make happen. So yeah, verse 8, Jesus talks to us about seeking, zetan. He talks to us seeking, and we seek not just gifts from our Father, we seek the Father Himself. We want to see His face. Another great, great quote from A.W. Tozer. <laughs> he calls us Christians. He calls us the children of the burning heart. The children of the burning heart. And he says, I love this. He says, to have found God and still pursue him, this is love's paradox. So I hope this morning that you have found God I hope that you have found the Father, that you know who you are because of his love. You are his precious child. I, I hope that you have found him, and I hope that you are pursuing him more than ever. 
I hope in one way you've experienced his love and grace, and I, I hope that you are less satisfied, that you want more and more and more of the Father in your life. I pray that you've come to worship him the, this morning, and instead of being satisfied with the worship service, I pray that it has merely whetted your appetite for more and more of your Father. I hope that we are truly a children of the burning heart today. Let's pray together. Lord, we take you at your word today. You promise, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and we will find. You tell us if we knock, the door will be open to us. More than anything, we seek you Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are good, you are wise. Help each of us to see you that way. Help each of us to know who we are, not through how much we make or what we do or what we know, but to see who we are through your eyes as your children. We pray this this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. If you want to put Christ on in baptism this morning, become a part of his amazing family, you can do that today. If you need prayers, come and pray with us this morning or pray with somebody beside you. We'll come before the Father together. If you just want to know more about being a member of this church, come and talk to us about that as well. But let's praise his name right now as we stand together. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the life we live inspire them to obey. message from the Sermon on the Mount this morning. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, John Scott. Big things are coming up at this congregation. 
We've got a lot of service opportunities. One this week with Pumpkin Fest. If you haven't uh, been able to participate, please do. Then next month is Thanksgiving Baskets. Then the month after that is our, uh, our, our gifts uh, to, to our local communities. And then we've got the Telling the Story Conference that's coming up in February. Lots of big things happening at Preston Crest. We encourage you to be a part of it. We want you to also be here tonight. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we have another lesson from First and Second Peter. Jacob will be bringing it to us. You'll be home by 7.20 in time for the game. But be here at 6 o'clock tonight to join us for fellowship, worship, and for another great lesson. Let's close our time in worship by saying this take-home verse together. This is from Matthew chapter 7. Say it with me. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the church said? Amen. Amen.